Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome everybody, Coach of the Big Dog with you. Took Monday off yesterday, played a replay show. We're back at you live and in person. Although a lot of people tell us that they like our replay shows better than they like us live. Well, what can you say? But uh, like it or not, we're with you live today on the Two Guys at a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. we got to recap some of the things that happened over the weekend. And of course, uh, Sneak peek ahead, look at some of the sporting activities from today. Beautiful day here in the city of Chicago. We thank you for joining us. And, of course, our rock of Gibraltar on the other side of the glass. David Olson, producer extraordinaire, is with us as well. And he plays some of the finest musical music available in our musical archives. Always a sense of tremendous motivation. Let's welcome in my good friend. I'm talking about the music, by the way. I don't know if Joel is always a source of great motivation, although on occasion, Big Dog, on occasion, I think for the young kids that listen out there and possibly a few of the single females, you possibly, uh, you know, on occasion, rarely might pass across some form of motivation. I'll give you that much. How are you, buddy? You know, uh, I do tend to kick some tail every once in a while, Coach. I think so. I think so. Yeah. I do appreciate that. Normally, you bash me a little bit coming in. Yeah. I, I do appreciate it. I'm out there to inspire people, Coach. Yeah, and I think you do that. I think it was last Tuesday where, um, I don't know how to say this, but right in the middle of the show, it moved, Big Dog. Well, I'm here to inspire <laughs> and have people reach new heights that they've never reached before, uh, Coach. Pa- apparently so. Yeah. Apparently. There ain't no mountain high enough, Big Dog. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> There definitely is the coach, especially if it moves. Yeah, and, and take it easy. And remember, there would be no mountains if there were not for the valleys. There would be no rainbow if it were not for the rain. So do not be afraid of failure, my friend. Keep plugging along. Keep fighting. And you, too, shall rise and meet your day. Thank you, brother. Great story. Compelling and rich. <laughs> are you trying to tell me that the, the valleys are to blame for the mountains? No, I'm trying to tell you that in order to make the mountains, there must be valleys. You gotta have some tough times. You gotta dig through the muck and mire, and eventually, you achieve a great things. And I think you are well on your way. I feel great things ahead for you. Oh, I, I appreciate that, Coach. Any type of encouragement is uh, is well received. Mm-hmm. Well, you appreciate that. If you want to send us some encouragement, we'll well receive it here at the Two Guys in a Mic Show. You can do it via the phone lines at 888-463-6748. We love positive reinforcement and encouragement. If you have any negative things to say, we prefer it not over the air. If you want to go negative, uh, email us. That's a new policy, Big Dog. The phone calls will be positive. The emails are for all the negative reinforcement. How about that? Well, I, I do appreciate that, Coach. And, and and I think I can actually dish it out, especially considering what I said was going to happen when the Bulls faced the, the Miami Heat over the weekend. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm getting a little puppy test, Coach. Not sure I want to hear this. Let me throw out the email in case people do want to send us negative reinforcement. There are no mountains without the bell. I already did that. Uh, Mike, two guys at AOL.com. M-I-C in the number two. Mike, two guys at AOL.com. 
Big Dog, before you put a black cloud on our uh, feeling awfully good right now, we were not on the show yesterday, so we do got to uh, look back a little bit to just an outstanding game. My line with all of my friends has been, hey, you know what? The Miami Heat might win the next four games. Okay, What happened in the first game won't matter in game two, but I do know this for one game. That was about as enjoyable of an NBA game as I have ever experienced. Awfully fun to watch. Uh, well, put a black cloud on stuff. That's exactly what I was going to talk about. Now, uh, I mean, oh, I thought you were here to tell us that Miami's going to win the series down the road. I, why would you? Oh, I thought. I'm sorry. About, all, all I've talked about okay. was the fact that the I, Bulls are, are better than the Heat for the last month. You, I, you made a I comment. After it finally is coming to fruition. Okay. You made a comment earlier. I misinterpreted. I apologize. No, you, you just can't hear very well. Well, that too. Okay, that's that, that's probably what happened. I've only well, got. Th- I mean, a thing of beauty though on on <laughs> on Sunday. The only thing is, a, a few of our secrets are out. Like all of a sudden, everybody in the NBA he realized that Taj Gibson gives Woo-hoo! about twenty of the most productive wow. minutes at power forward every single night for the Bulls. And, Taj. Of course, if you, you take those two dunks away, Coach, he still would have played a phenomenal game, but yep. nobody would be talking about him. Yep. But he, he had two of the greatest dunks of the playoffs so far. So Two of the greatest and, dunks? I think, I can, I think I'm 48 hours past hyperbole now. Two of the best dunks that I've ever seen. If you had two dunks by one player in one game and consider the game, that's up there with all time. That is in the team picture. If you, if you, had, <laughs> you have to have two dunks. Of that caliber uh-huh. in that big of a game, it might be the greatest <laughs> dunking game ever by a player. Yeah and, it, yeah, and it came from Taz Gibson. I think everybody worldwide, even here in Chicago, who watched him play, were shocked by his athlete. I mean, if LeBron James would have done that, it would have been, wow, people falling over each other. But, you know, hey, it's LeBron or, you know, some of the other great athletic players. I think part of the shock was that it was Taz Gibson doing a big dunk. Unbelievable. Yes. And uh, now, I mean, now I think people are starting to realize why people in Chicago have been booing Carlos Boozer. Well, you know, it's a little bit easier to say we don't want the guy playing when that's your backup. Yeah, it, but I would it, say this. If Taj Gibson starts for you and plays a lot of minutes, you're a good team, maybe not capable of a championship. If you could bring I, a guy I, like I, – well, I, but if you could bring a guy like Taj Gibson off the bench, now you're talking a potential championship team. I, by the way, Coach, and by no means am I at all questioning what they should do with their rotation right now in their yeah. minutes. Yeah. I was kind of like put, floating that little feather in the background of mm-hmm. what are the Bulls going to do with Carlos Boozer when they realize they're really overpaying him and they, they might have to make Gibson a starter in order to keep people like Dang and, mm-hmm. and Rose and everybody in a couple of years. Just, so he's going to be the starting power forward for the Bulls or they're going to lose him. So it's uh, either him or Boozer over the next year or two, Coach. So I was going to ask, is that next year that we lose him? Or, or I think he plays one more year, right? Before... Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely okay. yeah, definitely one more year. Yeah. So uh, uh, basically w- next year is the Taj Gibson playing to see if he can be the starter for the Bulls and mm-hmm. whether we keep him or not. And if we decide to keep him, then Carlos Boozer gets traded. Our uh, Facebook page today, Big Dog, brought up the quandary. I know you're a regular checker out of our Facebook page, but uh, basically three big names in Chicago right now. Three big names. I had a tough time ranking them one, two, three. You got the brand-new mayor, Rahm Emanuel. It's all about Rahm. And they all go by one name. They're so famous that they're all one-name guys. Now, you got Rahm, you got Oprah, and you got Taj. Which, give me a, give me a ranking, one, two, three right now. Who's the, who, who's the biggest in Chicago, Rahm? Taj or Oprah? 
Well, I'm holding a number one up at Ram. <laughs> you are, okay. huh? Yeah, yeah, I am. Okay, and and I'm holding all five up for for Taj Gibson slapping him a high five. So, and uh, for rank, I'm going to have to put Oprah number number one no matter what because you know supposedly she's still available, coach, and I'm more than willing to be uh, Mr. Oprah Winfrey. So. <laughs> Where did that come into the discussion? I just thought I'd throw it out there, Coach. Oh, man. Throw it out okay. There. okay. Ste- Stedman Redwanski are joining us on the show today. <laughs> no, I would, obviously, I don't think I'd uh, marry Oprah. Maybe, possibly, though. Possibly. I think I heard she smells really good, Coach. Well, absolutely. Very attractive young lady. No question about it. Lots of uh, money she would be able to take care of. You could, you could go sugar daddy with an Oprah big dog and the offspring, I would think. Between her heritage and your raw athleticism, you might you might be able to get a hell of a baby out of that. I mean, and, and she's got some stick to Yes. Well, actually, I have the stick to She's relentless. Because yeah. when she's successful, she's relentless. Yeah, Since I, I haven't been successful, I have stick to I know you've been talking about, uh, um, you know, coagulating, not co- cohabitating with a six foot two inch East German swimmer in hopes of a Olympic-type offspring. I, I don't know if I'd promise that out of an Oprah connection, but whatever the field the baby would go into, the kid would go into, I think he'd be very, very successful with your uh, with yours and Oprah roots. i got to be quite honest with you, Coach. I, I, I've been sticking away from the swimmers, okay? Oh, and, okay. And, that's, and that's the truth, okay? Because okay. there have been a lot lately. But I'm looking for handballs. You know that Eastern European sport handball? Yep. You know what I'm talking about? these. And yep. if, if, folks, if you don't know what I'm talking about, imagine – uh, an indoor soccer league mm-hmm. field, and then these these women play where they run and have to dribble every two steps, and then they can throw it like a softball. And the, yeah. the thing is, the size of a sixteen inch softball. It's not handball; it's called team handball. Okay, team handball, exactly. Great sport. It's, it's uh, and these girls that play this are ridiculously athletic. Coach, mm-hmm. you can find. I mean, like if you get the right girl, you might be able to pro. Like I think I'd be able to. If I find the right one, I can procreate, get something about. <laughs> Foot five to six foot seven, good feet with a cannon for an arm. Yeah, I mean, legitimately, that's either a pitcher uh-huh. or, or a quarterback. That's big time money. Seriously. Okay. All right. If we have any uh, East European team handball players out there, or possibly from the fine continent of Australia, interesting in procreating with big, you don't have to live with them. You don't have to spend time with them. We're just talking about a quick. I have a pro- big enough house and a couple empty rooms, so yeah. they they could, they could stay here. Yeah. Yeah, just a brief, uh, you know, brief moment of time. That's all we're asking. The big dog will be happy to procreate with you. Send us an email, Mike Two Guys at AOL dot com. I love Team Handball, one of the most yeah. underrated sports. I used to teach it in PE class. Big dog was a ton of fun. Combination basically of soccer and yeah. basketball. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly the best way to put it, Coach. Yeah, and and baseball in some sense because uh, how many other sports do you throw the ball? I mean, like like that, where you literally have to fling it. Like, uh, you know, I guess the goalie definitely has to do that. It's a pretty fun sport, though. Mm-hmm. Sport. All right. Well, you know, I thought about it hard and fast. My rankings now, I'm going Oprah 1, Taj 2, and Rom 3. I'm putting Taj Gibson right now, second biggest name in the city of Chicago, slightly over Rahm Emanuel. That's my personal rankings. What is, uh, is for the? He's not going to be the honorable mayor of Chicago. Isn't he going to be the, the HMFIC? <laughs> That's good. I mean, that's what I've I've understood it to be so far. Not not quite honorable. The the semi dishonorable. 
Oh, goodness. By the way, I, he's, he hasn't even in office yet, and he's already sent memos yeah. uh, to people letting them know who to start greasing. Yep. Yeah, he, he is a mover and a shaker. Let's just hope the moving is upward. The shaking uh, has a positive effect. We will see. I, have, I think everybody has high hopes right now. The question is, in a couple of years, will those high hopes come true? Let's get back to the Taj Gibson dunks, though, Big Dog, and the Bulls' victory over Thank the Miami you. Heat. I mean, that first dunk over Dwayne Wade, when you saw it live, it was, like, unbelievable. Reggie Miller falling over Steve Kerr, and they're falling over Marv Albert. And then you watched a couple of replays, and it was it was pretty amazing. But the final replay they showed. From straight on, that was the one that really kicked it in. Where Taj, he rises, but where others would, like, stop rising? I don't know if you remember the replay I'm talking about. He kept rising. You're talking about the guy that was uh, laying down behind the basket, basically? Straight behind the basket? I'm talking about the first dunk by Taj Gibson. Yeah, that's I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, where he just, he just kept rising right over Dwayne Wade, slammed it home. His ability to hang in midair and the power of the dunk. And I thought, you know, it was two points, the crowd going well, but I thought psychologically, big dog, maybe I'm overrating and see what you think. I thought it made a statement, the fact that he slammed hard over De- uh, Dwight Wade, Dwayne Wade. I, I don't think there's any question it made a statement. The, the place went up for grabs, and, and to be honest with you, I thought the heat, did a decent job of making sure they didn't lose the game right after that moment, to be honest with you, Coach. I mm-hmm. thought they showed some – that was like the only time in the game they showed any heart was uh, – like like after that, I mean, they, they played the Bulls pretty tough for the next quarter after that happened. So, uh, <laughs> other – I mean, but the Bulls really – it was a statement. It was a statement dunk. And then later on in the game, to throw the exclamation point down, the the last dunk where oh, he actually the, went back and caught it from Wisconsin wow. and then and then wow. threw it down the windmill dunk. Yeah, the tomahawk. That I mean, it just reiterated. You know, <laughs> that, I mean, it was like, all right, yeah, you withstood the first one for a little bit. We eventually yeah. wore you down, and then here we go, bam, game over with. That thing was unbelievable. And again, I think part of the shock was that it came from Taj Gibson. I think people knew he was good. They didn't realize he was capable of that kind of a dramatic type play. Yeah, you know, I, I'm borderline on that because I don't know. Sometimes, like, you know, when you have so much energy and you have so much, there's so much intensity in the game that sometimes you you do things athletically that you're really not capable of doing. You mm-hmm. jump three or four inches higher than you really should be able to jump. That's true. Maybe that maybe that's what was going on with Taj Gibson. Maybe Taj Gibson will end up being uh, our Robert Ory. You know, like all of a sudden it's a big game and he just comes flying out and getting block shots and dunks and. Just uh, momentum changing, great plays all day long. So, hopefully, that's what Taj Gibson ends up being for the Chicago Bulls. Getting beyond the Taj Gibson dunks, and again, you want to talk about it? We'll get to some baseball action, other sports news as well. We'll get off the sports page. That's what we do here on the Two Guys at a Mike Show. But quickly, recap of the Bulls' victory over the Miami Heat. Phone lines open: triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. Dial it up. User friendly sports talk radio. Big dog and a coach at your service. Getting behind uh, beyond Taj Gibson, big dog. I thought one of the cool things was I went through the top. 10 players for the Bulls, and, and every one of them played a plus game. How often can you say that? But but all 10 guys played better than they normally do. All 10 guys had good games, which is, when you think about it, pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, C.J. Watson off the bench. Excellent. Uh, Joe, Joe Kim Noah, a bunch oh. of huge plays that didn't result in points, just it resulted in just a huge momentum turners for the Bulls. Yep. Um, Randy Brewer and Kyle Korver. Solid. 
uh, Randy, uh, Ronnie Brewer, that dunk that he had was awesome. Just, that was another little momentum changer, mm-hmm. another like it, it, just another energy play that that just made the Heat shoulder shrunk just mm-hmm. a little bit more. Uh, who, and, who was the guy, by the way, that told you Kyle Korver's a pretty good passer? Kyle Korver had a plus game. That was me. No, that was me. Well, we'll take credit that we might be the only two on radio that are talking about Kyle Korver as a passer. His plus game, big dog, was not because of his shooting, but he really passed the ball well, set up a lot of big baskets for the ball. He plays extremely efficient, coach. That guy has low turnovers. He always he has three or four assists a game, and you can say, oh, that's not a lot of assists, but he only plays eighteen minutes a game. You know what I mean? So he gets a lot of you know what he gets a lot of like. He gets the ball out of his hands really quick. Either he'll shoot it or he'll pass it immediately. He doesn't hold on to the ball whatsoever, which is great when he's on the offense because you continually have to move on defense. You can never reset your defense ever when Kyle Korver's on the uh, on the court because he, he stretches you out because you mm-hmm. have to guard him, and then the ball is never in his hands for more than a second. My only complaint is that a lot of times when Korver's in, the rest of the Bulls stand around and wait. Our offense comes to a virtual standstill waiting for him to come off of screens. Yeah, yeah, this is this is true. And if you really want to get him open and, and pop him open, other people start moving, and next thing you know, the Kyle Corbett will end up with the ball on the <laughs> on the wing wide open, and that's pretty much a fifty fifty shot when you're mm-hmm. talking about him on the wing from you know wide open. Mm-hmm. Maybe even maybe even more than that. So, uh, Omar Sheik played a, a very very good game. Carlos Boozer not way above average, but it was a plus game. Uh, he mm-hmm. didn't take. Any bad shots? And our star player, Derek Rose, big dunk. Again, taking the advice that I have doled out here, the two guys at a mic show, limiting his dribble, 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 uh, getting his teammates involved. He scored. He hit shots, but he didn't dominate the play, and I thought he did a nice job getting his teammates involved. Well, I'll say that his teammates moved without the basketball more than they have in the past. And I know you have to have find fault with somebody all the time. I don't think it's been Derek Rose's problem. I think it's been the rest of the team when – when it's been yeah. him uh, forcing up shots and stuff, Coach. So uh, we, dis- we disagree it, on that, but there there was no issue in, in, in on, on Sunday. That was definitely mm. beautiful offense. Now, just throwing after the game for the for the Mavericks and the and the Thunder is that on Wednesday or is it tomorrow? No, I think it's tonight. It's tonight. Okay, yeah, because they have the draft lottery tonight. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Always one of the highlights of my sports viewing package for the entire year, the NBA draft lottery. You don't want to miss that. Yeah, thank goodness we have no interest in whatsoever yeah. this year. Me and I the wife the usually, uh, we get the kids together. We'll invite, uh, sometimes the relatives come over, and Uncle George and Aunt Lou, whoever it might be. And, uh, you know, we sip wine, eat a little cheese popcorn, and watch the NBA draft lottery. Next to Christmas, it's one of our favorite family traditions yeah I, I do understand that and, yeah and most of the time it's rather boring but in 08 <laughs> i mean it was tears of joy when the when the bulls were were the last uh, card picked out of that barrel yeah oh so it was awfully good when they got derrick rose yeah and remember we were thinking about picking michael beasley yeah we did we thought about it mm-hmm. we dabbled yeah there there were many nba experts some of the bulls camp that uh thought michael beasley was a good pick nobody Nobody, I don't think, thought Derrick Rose would rise to the uh, level as quickly as he has. But uh, here we are, Bulls up 1-0. Uh, we got to mention the defense. Big dog Charles Barkley calling it one of the best defensive teams that he has ever seen. He might have got caught up in the hyperbole, but suffice it to say, the Bulls are a great defensive team, and what they did to the uh, Heat in the second half, a thing of beauty for the defensive end. 
you know, I, I don't, I don't think he's going overboard about saying they're he's, they're one of the greatest defensive teams ever. You know, you know, coach, I, I've been hearing, I get in arguments with people over this, and somebody like statistically, Joel, they're only number two in the NBA this year. How could they be one of the great teams? Because the Celtics allowed like a point less a game. Coach, per possession, the Bulls have. Because there's a big difference. Like if you play a grinded out half court game and you beat somebody 92 to 90. A little different than if you beat them like 105 to 91. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you're playing the Bulls pull per, per possession this year, one of the greatest defensive teams of all time. The 95-96 Bulls at 172 games have the best points per possession. They're the greatest defensive team that's ever played the game. Is that team? Mm-hmm. Obviously, they won 72 games in the championship that year. So I don't think you can argue about that. But coach, yeah, forget forget the stats or forget anything. It seems like when this team really needs a stop. They get it, and they never play bad defensively for any type of long stretch whatsoever. They correct what they do wrong. So I, I, they're one of the best defensive teams I've ever seen. I've only been watching basketball since the beginning of the 80s. So. Mm-hmm. Their activity is so outstanding. What I like about it, too, is that they're, it's not gimmicky. You know, the Bulls used to put on a great full-court press, occasionally with double-team. It's not gimmicky. The Bulls, they just guard people and their activity and the foot quickness and the help and the recover and the rotations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so it's such fundamentally good defense. <laughs> Derek Rose and Carlos Boozer are probably, you know, average at best, maybe below average defenders. Everybody else on the team, everybody else on the team, I would rate, you know, a, a way above average defenders. Yeah, it, and you know what else you can throw in there? And I, I don't know if you want to. This definitely helps how your defense looks, even though it's not part of your defense technically. But how they close and finish plays when they get steals in the open court, like mm-hmm. when the ball's loose, it's the first thing I'm thinking is there's going to be a, the Bulls are going to get it, and the, there's going to be a, a transition basket the other way. It happens consistently. You know, once a quarter, they get a steal and, and rose or dang finish at the other end. I would think right now one of the worst feelings in the NBA would be after a steal. And the Bulls quickly pass the ball up to Derrick Rose, and he's getting ahead of steam flying up the court. And you're the one guy back, and you're backpedaling. And you see Derrick Rose coming your way. Yeah. That, that, you talk about a helpless feeling, Big Dother. There, that's a no-win situation right there. Yeah, you, and especially if he's got any help on the wing. Like the, uh, Miami early in the game when the Bulls, like, I'm going to admit this straight, because you know I've been saying it. I don't, I don't know how much, uh, how much you pay attention, but I've been telling everybody the Bulls are going to stomp on the heat. But, uh, you know, the first 30 seconds of the game, Coach, I was freaking out. The first two possessions, LeBron James steals the ball and he yep. gets in, like an alley-oop pass to Dwayne Wade and then his own breakaway dunk. It's 11.30 to go in the first quarter, and LeBron mm-hmm. James has two steals, steals and assists and a dunk. You know, and like, so I was freaked out a little bit. But uh, very soon after, there was a, a, a transition, and Derrick Rose was running down the court, and he had Lou Aldang on one side and Taj Gibson on the other. Mm-hmm. And there was one guy back, and I forget who it was, Coach. But that was—I uh, like the Bulls' odds: three on one with Derrick Rose with the ball, and two big guys mm-hmm. running with them. But you brought up a good point. Underrated in that game. Underrated in that game was the Bulls, still a young, somewhat untested playoff Chicago Bulls team, able to withstand the early flurry from the Miami Heat, and uh, not emotionally, but very coolly and calmly and professionally got themselves back in the game in the beginning. That People aren't talking about that, uh, but that was a good point, Big Dad. That was an early key to the game.
Yeah, I felt like I got punched in the gut. It was four nothing. It wasn't yep. four nothing. Like, oh, they hit a couple shots. It was four nothing. They took the ball away on two consecutive possessions. Mm-hmm. Why didn't LeBron James keep on doing that, Coach? I mean, you know what I mean. He he's so dominant at the beginning of the game. It's really amazing how good he is. Well, he not had, in the fourth quarter. The two baskets I think you're talking about. One was off a of steal, and the answer to that is the Bulls stopped turning the ball over. Well, and, no, no, he took. Blew all day, drove to the hoop. LeBron James got beat, recovered, took it right out of Dang's hands, dribbled twice up the court, and threw a beautiful pass. And then the next time down the court, he took the ball right out of somebody's hands too, mm-hmm. and then broke open and, and dunked it. it. It was almost like he he willed those two baskets. He uh, he was playing superior than all the other ten guys on the uh, nine guys on the court, and then he just stopped. And I don't I don't think he did anything the rest of the game. I mean nothing of. Wow, look what that. Oh, that's LeBron James. He's a great player. He's going to get make stuff happen. I, he didn't really make anything else happen the rest of the game. Yeah. It's, it's, part, part of that might be his own uh, doing, and part of that was the great defense played by Luol Dang and some of the others as well. you got to give our, our defense a little bit of credit to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It he's was fun. Be, like, he's got to be a little psychologically bruised, Coach. I don't think he's all there mentally. I'm really starting to believe that. I don't know if I'd go with you on that aspect. I think LeBron will come back just fine in game. I don't think he's suffering any psychological bruise. Just reading okay. reading the body language. We'll find out. You know, game two, each game is a completely different story, as we found out through the first round of the playoffs. One team can look dominant. Things can change on a dime. That's why I made the comment earlier in the show, I don't know what's going to go on from here. The Heat could win the next four games. I don't know. I do know that that game on uh, Sunday night was a thing of beauty, one of the most enjoyable NBA games I've seen in a long time. By the way, a lot of people enjoyed it. David Olson, I don't know if you checked the TNT ratings for that game. I believe largest viewing audience for an NBA game in the history of cable TV. That yeah. is correct, sir. Wow. Are you a little yeah. cable? Now, ESPN counts as cable. Yeah. Yes, it does. Man. Yes. I was a little surprised at that. Uh, e- ES- I was a little bit, too. Just a little bit. ESPN's been around, and TNT, they've been around for a while. There's been some pretty classic NBA championship games. Just, just to, just to remind you though, coach, the, um, the, the conference final games just recently started being on cable. Okay. Normally it was always on, uh, NBC or it was on ABC and way back when I was a kid, when it was, uh, when it would be the Sixers taking on the Celtics and the, and the Lakers taking on the Jazz in the in the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. On, it was on CBS. Remember? Mm-hmm. So just recently, like the last uh, David, he's probably better at this. I would only say the last like seven or eight years has the the the, the conference finals been on cable television. Interesting. Interesting. So the so it doesn't the, uh, go back as far as you might think. Coach. Well, okay. Good point. Good point. How about the NBA championship games? They've never been on cable. Well, they used to be on tape delay, <laughs> but but they're but, always uh, they, on network TV. Yeah, for for as long as they they've been getting ratings that would be worthy of the largest ever. Mm-hmm. They've always been on the. They've okay. never. They've always been on either ABC, NBC, or CBS since I've been alive. Okay, all right, good point. So, good point but, indeed. But there there was some great Knicks Bulls games on TNT, like in the second round in the nineties, that were huge. Like they had a game seven. You mm-hmm. know that was. It's a big. It's still a big, big thing, Coach. All right, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The next big, big thing is tomorrow night, Game Two. The Heat taking on the Bulls tonight, though. 
Real quick, let's mention Oklahoma City. Of course, over the weekend, knocked off Memphis in Game 7. Great series. It's Oak City taking on Dallas. Big Dog, you've been a fairly top-notch uh, prognosticator here with the NBA playoffs. Give me a, uh, if not a full-out prediction, give me some thoughts and feelings on this series, which I think should be very entertaining. Um, this is going to be an extremely entertaining series, and what people are going to find out is uh, people really think of Dallas as kind of being soft, you know, because, like, you know, their their star shoots 20-foot jump shots, and he's European, so that, ought to make, that automatically makes him soft in everybody else's mind. But uh, one thing people are going to find out about Dallas is they play some really, really good defense. I don't know if they play as, as well as, the like, the Bulls or the Celtics or the Heat, but they – they definitely played the best in the Western Conference. And, uh, and also with the fact that Dirk Nowitzki, they make, they do a lot of screens for him and they, uh, I don't know, they, they, they go, the offense goes through him. What is Oklahoma City going to do? Are they going to put Kevin Durant on, on Dirk Nowitzki? This can end up being a pretty big rivalry and an unbelievable matchup. Dirk well, versus Kevin Durant. I mean, that's, that's big time coach. Yeah, it is. But one could argue maybe Dallas has more threats than Oklahoma City and, uh, watching. Well, Dallas playing that series. Oak City better, they better guard uh, Dirk Nowitzki, but they also better guard the three point line because the Mavericks were on fire. Ooh, yeah, all those, all of them. Terry, even Jason Kidd's hitting now. Now, what, uh, what, what, uh, I mean, Oklahoma City is definitely a two man team. Is Jason Kidd, who was once a very good defender, mm-hmm. he's 38 years old trying to guard one of the top four most athletic players in the league in mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook. Yep. You know what I mean? So Dallas better come with a great defensive scheme because, uh, and you know, Rick Carlisle can coach. He's been around long enough. You know what I mean? So he's, uh, they can figure something out over that. It's going to be a great series. And I I just think so much inexperience versus so much experience and so much rest versus a team that has gone through two grueling series Mm -hmm. in a row. I, I I think Oklahoma City's got a great future, but Dallas will win the series. Yeah, I think so, too. Dallas looks like a team on a mission with some guys that haven't won championships before, uh-huh. that have been around a long time. Maybe their time is limited. I think they might have that extra inspiration. And for that reason, I'm kind of rooting for the Mavericks. I'd like to see, even if they don't win at all, I'd like to see Dirk, Kidd, Jason, Terry, those guys, Peja Stojakovic, uh, be fun to see them in the NBA Finals. Yeah, don't forget about Peja, who's playing the best basketball yep. he's played in a long time. Which, which he would have had to if he's going to be on a roster of a team that's this far in the playoffs because he has not had a graceful end of his career. So it's also kind of good to see him uh, at least play that you know that twelve minute a game spot up jump shooter because coach he's one of the greatest shooters in the history of uh, basketball. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he he's in the top twenty. I would time. not would not argue that at all. His greatest years were with what Sacramento. Without a doubt, with Sacramento, yeah. and they, they had uh, they had no defense, but they would beat yep. you one fifteen to one ten consistently. Him, yep. Chris Webber, and Mike Bibby. Mm-hmm. So, those are some very decent teams. Yeah, Stojakovic's shot is as pure as anyone I could remember in, in recent history. Just an absolutely phenomenal shooter. Should be fun to watch. Uh, we got to get to some baseball news, big dog. It's not good news, but we got to get to some baseball news. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, ask everybody to regroup a little bit, including yourself. Uh, feel free to adjust yourself during the break, Big Dog. Um, and we'll be back and talk your favorite team, the Chicago Cubs, okay? Oh, uh, if I have to. All right. <laughs> be careful. Two guys at a mic, talkzone.com. Back in about 38 seconds. Our breaks are short.
lines are open for your calls on Two Guys and a Mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, two guys to the mic, talkzone.com. Big Dog and a coach at you live. Uh, again, we had a replay show yesterday. Big Dog, are you shocked, as am I, that our research shows that people actually like our replay shows better than they like us live? I took that as an insult. I don't read any of that stuff. <laughs> you stay away from the negative criticism, huh? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay, you're probably smart. I like the negative criticism. It feeds me. makes me work harder. Uh, by the way, before we get to baseball, I watched on uh, PBS Channel 11 last night. Okay. The Freedom Riders, a two-hour documentary. Wow. And, you know, and you're a historical guy more so than I. I mean, I knew a little bit about the Freedom Riders, but I really didn't know about it. This was like a two-hour with footage, extensive insight. I mean, those guys, the Freedom Riders, and maybe you've got some insight in it big dog because you are a man of historical perspective on the show but that was um you talk about great teams in sports that was a great team in history and a very young team by the way who is this by the way the freedom riders from civil rights oh okay 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 maybe 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 you're not our uh, historical expert in that well i I just wanted to make sure because that's what i thought you were talking about but, but it was first of all, if it's replayed on PBS, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's a two-hour commitment, though. I do watch a lot of those PBS Ooh, shows, Coach. Man, a lot I, of them. That, that's I, I tape them and watch them. Cause, I mean, pretty much once a week. I plan. Uh, you know, I flipped around a little bit. I plan to watch them five or ten minutes. Next thing I know, it's eleven o'clock at night. Two hours straight, no commercials. Good stuff. Good stuff. But you know, using these sports. Comparison, big dog. All the uh, cliches. You talk about overcoming adversity. You talk about uh, fighting through difficult times. You talk about bravery. You talk about reaching heights. You talk about achieving greatness. Uh, you know, all of those things. Uh, the Freedom Riders absolutely signified that it was an amazing, amazing story. A lot of them were still alive, so it was cool. You heard personal interviews from those people. That, that's pretty cool to have done because yesterday was the civil rights game. And, yeah. uh, in, okay. in Atlanta and they had, uh, mm-hmm. it, was, it was great to have so many different people come in during the game and, uh, mm-hmm. it was on MLB network and, and, and talk about stuff. So it was, yeah, Hank Aaron and Morgan Freeman coming in there. So it was, uh, Boy, and you watch some of the bigotry from back then and, you know, part of it you can pawn off that it was a different time and it's hard to compare now, but boy, it just, uh, it, I went back and forth with two very strong emotions, disgust and anger. You know, it's just people, just because of the color of their skin, just, I mean, it's one thing to be, you know, racist. It's another to travel an hour or two to meet a bus, and when they get off the bus, you know, beat to a pulp, an innocent 19-year-old kid. I just can't imagine that kind of hatred. But uh, it was right there for you. Obviously, not everybody, but a lot of people were of that mindset. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've never experienced anything like that or or, or have seen it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's awful tough to actually comprehend. Something so stupid. Okay. Even after a couple of our bad morning break radio shows back then, you couldn't compare when an angry mob would meet you outside. That was no comparison between those two. Well, I, I kind of liked it. A lot of groping. <laughs> yeah, you were beaten to a pulp. You were squeezed like a pulp. Yeah, it was. It was nice. Yeah, it wasn't it is, bad. It is a fine line. All right, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Let's talk some baseball, big dog. Again, here in Chicago, it's not of the positive variety. First of all, let's go to our beloved Cubs. I 
did happen to watch last night before I got hooked on the Freedom Riders. Uh, nice little fourth and fifth inning. We're cruising along with a four to nothing lead. Looks like a nice win against Cincinnati Reds. I don't know if you're watching or not. Carlos Zambrano, oh, yeah, five easy innings, and then it all went kaput in the sixth. Yeah, he got hit awfully hard too. It was that that wasn't you know sometimes you get those bleeding eye dribblers and stuff and pitcher pitch a lot better than what it indicated. But yeah, he was cruising and then well he got some rockets hit off him and you know sorry I don't misplayed that ball but that was a tough play. I don't care what anybody says that ball was a absolute laser beam over his head. He should have had he's a major leaguer, but it it was a lot tougher play than people I give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Tough hitting coach. Yeah, and I, I hate losing to the Reds. Like that team. I mean, I legitimately coach like when the Reds play the Cardinals. I root for the Cardinals. When when did well, I'm not familiar with your Cincinnati Red hate. Does it have to do with Dusty Baker? A, a little bit of that. A lot of Joey Votto, mostly Joey Votto. Yeah, you know that was my. I haven't seen him play a lot. There does seem to be a certain arrogance about a Joey Votto. Yeah, and the stuff he said about the Cubs last year, the stuff he said about Marlon Byrd. Mm-hmm. Joey Votto can go. And plus, considering Albert Pujols is going to be a Cub next year, you know, I'm kind of pulling for him this year. By the way, Albert Pujols, for the first time in uh, almost a decade, yeah, so starting at third base for the St. Louis Cardinal. What's that all about? Uh, he went into uh, Skip's office, and he waited until uh, LaRusa got back from the shingles. I'm glad he got those replaced. Yep. I could have done it for him. I knew a guy. He got his shingles replaced? You got, isn't that why? I mean, seriously, Coach, he had to miss three games right. to get his shingles replaced? Yeah, he went to the Mayo Clinic. He, I heard he had shingles, but I oh, didn't. Oh, it's on the Russa. I don't give a crap. <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, he goes into LaRusse's office and, and basically said, hey, you know what, we can put Berkman at first. I'll go to third until David Freeze comes back, and our defense will be a lot better. Because if you, if Berkman at first and Poulos at third, and you take Berkman out of the outfield. Whoever you play, coach, you can play outfield better than Lance Berkman can right now. So, so, so <clears throat> that's not a good thing for Lance Berkman. No, no, <clears throat> no, or the Cardinals. So, are you saying we might see more of Albert Pujols at third base? We're going to see more Albert Pujols at third base until wow. David Freeze is ready to come back, and then mm-hmm. I'm then I'm not sure what they'll do at that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it doesn't it make sense if you're the Cardinals if you put Pujols at third. Berkman at first, and then yep. you can put a real you can put John Jay who can actually go get him, uh-huh. as opposed to putting uh, they don't have a backup they don't have a third baseman now because the backup guy got hurt too. Mm-hmm. Great so they, superstar, and it shows how unselfish he is. Very similar to New York Yankee catcher Jorge Posada. Oh yeah, ex- exactly. That's a great <laughs> comparison, coach. <laughs> what what a mess that is, and why don't leave just leave it alone. Honestly, I, I, why is it so overblown? Now they're upset at Jeter because yeah. he didn't, he wasn't tough enough on him. Do you give you know, Jorge? All Jeter has, has to do is like, no, just because I didn't say anything about it in public, like you guys have, doesn't mean I didn't handle the situation. That's ridiculous. Can you believe an organization doing that to their players? I know so, Posada messed up, coach, and he should have played. Let's let's just get that straight. You don't throw your people under the bus and, and mm-hmm. let all the facts come out, and then start complaining that your captain. Didn't get the guy in the So you're trouble. you're agreeing with Derek Jeter? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Who knows? Derek Jeter probably was like, dude, you either you retire or play. You never do that again. Yeah. I mean, I, who knows? He might have said that just because in public he said, uh, "I have no problem with it." Doesn't mean he didn't really have a problem with it. Uh-huh. Do we probably, give him a um, Do we give him a mulligan or Jorge Posado? I think for a long, long, very consistently good career has been a pretty good guy. Give him a mulligan for that one mess up. Well, I definitely give a mulligan to Jeter for not uh, okay. getting all over him. Okay. Uh, the Orhe Posada part, uh, no, no, that's a, it's a strike. 
right. it's, a, it's a legitimate strike. But then again, he shouldn't have really got it because it shouldn't have become known to the public what happened. Ridiculous. And for our female fans that just listen to the show primarily to uh, get a shot at the big dog, Joel Radwanski, or for our non-sports fans, Two Guys in a Mike Show is the sports show that appeals to the non-sports fan. Unfortunately, we struggled to actually appeal to the sports fan, but that's a whole other story. Big Dog, real quick, explain what the heck we're talking about, about New York Yankee catcher Jorge Posada. Uh, Jorge Posada, who is hitting 165 on the year, six home runs, though, so he's got a little bit of pop. Uh, is now the full-time DH for the Yankees after being a catcher for years. And I, I don't think he's been able to regroup and learn how to become the DH just yet. He's been struggling, so he goes into the, the, the ballpark. And the, the press, mind you, the press tell him, hey, Jorge, what do you think about batting ninth? And he's like, what? I'm batting ninth? And then supposedly went into the office and said that he had told Joe Girardi that he he wasn't there mentally and not able to play the day. And then it comes out later that his his wife, who, by the way, is the hottest woman on the planet, or it's just had his wife. There's, she is. She's wow. Freaking unbelievable. Next to who was the pitcher for the Chicago Cubs? Fairly nondescript pitcher had the beautiful. It wasn't Calvin Schiraldi. But there was a pitcher, I remember, who. Uh, Al Nipper? Who? Al Nipper? Uh, no. Dickie Knowles? No. No, no. He was uh, somewhat Hispanic, I think, but never mind. Anyhow, uh, suffice it to say, Jorge Posada's wife, beautiful, lovely lady. Yes. Uh, well, uh, she starts tweeting out his back hurt, and now it's come out later that basically he was a little upset that he was batting night. Yeah. But I don't see why all this has to be. Like, first of all, you, you had the guy find out from the press, and then you tell the press that he got upset that he found out he was batting night. Mm-hmm. Come on. You know, so uh, the Yankees organization did not handle this properly, Coach. That's just, that's so. I'm not so Warren Posada should just bat at night. He should have. He didn't. So he messed up. But still, the Yankees didn't handle this. It's an ugly situation. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, getting back to the Cubs, they lose 7-4 to to Cincinnati. Tough loss yesterday. All seven runs for the Cincinnati Reds coming in the uh, same inning, disastrous inning that we had a base running mistake late in the game. Uh, you know, I've been mm-hmm. very patient, as many other fans have, with Alfonso Soriano. We talked about him being a good guy. Uh, in the clubhouse, et cetera, et cetera, but his play continues to frustrate Big Dog. Swinging at bad pitches, no discipline at the plate. Fielding shaky, and then a base running mistake yesterday. I, I guess you could blame the base running more on third base coach Ivan DeJesus. That was a ridiculous stunt. Come on. You're down three runs. Nobody out. You're down three runs. Come on. Yep. Get a big inning going. Yeah. So, uh, it was too bad. Okay. All right. Well, Mike Mike Quade did hold a little clubhouse meeting. Coach Quade finding out it's a lot harder to win in April and May when it counts than in August when he took over when your team is out of it. But uh, he gathered the troops yesterday, Big Dog. Any ideas of what he might have said? Maybe you were there to catch it live. Okay. I'm not sure what he said, but before I go into this, don't forget that this guy's dealing with three major league starters on his roster. That's all he has. All the other teams and then uh, – Major League Baseball have five. This is like a this. Everybody in Major League Baseball has got a billion pitchers nowadays. It's the year of the pitcher, too. Oh, it's even worse than last year. It seems like the Cubs are facing uh, either a number one or a guy that's going to be a number one in the future. And everybody's and all our pitchers are hurt. We're going with three pitchers. This is well, seriously. That's how the season has turned out to be for the Cubs. So if you know if uh, if I'm Mike Quade, I just go in there and I'd be like, hey, you, you're feeling sorry for yourselves and don't cash your checks. Go out there and play baseball. Okay, no, no reason to feel sorry for yourself. And if you're the four or five starter, 
you know, you're wearing the Cubs uniform. Uh, try to try to keep the Cubs uniform on for more than a, a, a couple outings. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, and it, it's sad because I don't think he had to give uh, your boy. Uh, who's your boy with uh, Casey? Uh, Casey Coleman. Coleman. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I love his attitude, coach. He just doesn't—he doesn't have good enough stuff to pitch in the major leagues. He just—he uh-huh. won't be able to make it, yeah. you know. And and it's too bad because he's got that attitude that if he had the talent, you could reach him that way. But uh, is he still in the rotation? Please tell me that he—he's not in the rotation right now. Did yeah, they give up I, on him? I actually think he's got one more start before they uh, before they make a move. Okay, well the, then, basically, this season is, is hogwash for the Cubs if they just keep giving away games like mm-hmm. that. You, you, I mean, you know, I, I totally agree with you, Coach, about how the, the kid could end up being a great coach. He might be a great pitching coach, but I, he can't locate any pitches. And just because mm-hmm. he throws 88 isn't why I, I don't like the kid. Is like You can't throw the ball right down the middle of the plate if you throw 88. Greg mm-hmm. Maddox did it for 20 seasons. Speaking of hogwash about uh, not playing the young players and not playing for the future, Tyler Colvin, your guy, uh, had a great year last year, but struggling this year, got sent down to the minors, I think they should have played him more at the major league level. I know he wasn't hitting very well, but I didn't think he ever really was able to get in any kind of a groove. Okay, I know Coach uh, Kessler wrote me as Mr. April, and it's fine, but on May 1st, Tyler Colvin was supposed to be the right starting right fielder. We we agreed to that, right, on April 30th, mm-hmm. remember? We talked about that, had yep. the conversation. Yep. So now they basically wasted the first six or seven uh, weeks of the season for Tyler Colvin. It, uh, honestly, I think he'd be better off getting – you know, uh, 25 at bats a, a week in the minors, then three a week with the Cubs. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a little it's, bit it's hard to take Kos- as a Cub fan. Yeah, and Kosuke's been hitting, so it's a little hard to take him out. But very few hits when they count. That seems to be the big problem for the Chicago Cubs. By the way, uh, the next big hit that Aramis Ramirez gets might be his first big hit of the season. He has been very quietly silent for an extended period of time for the Cubs. Coach. There was a time where, and I know you felt the same way, there there wasn't a Chicago Cub up I wanted more in a clutch yep. situation than Aramis Ramirez. Yep. And I think uh, that part of his career, he shook out all the all the big hits in his bat. He we, he gave them all up between 03 and then 08. So they, they were all done. No, no, no bullets left in the gun for Aramis, uh, huh? No. That's all it. those big hits. I I don't know how many times he had a looping liner right over the second baseman's head with two mm-hmm. strikes, two outs, and a runner at second that like tied a game. Yeah. I mean, he won so many games for the Cubs. Yeah, it's the way it looks. It's, it's the way it looks, but an extended slump. Hopefully, he'll start hitting. But uh, you might be very right. It might be the old uh, the old gun belt might be empty for Ramos Ramirez, which is not a good thing if you're a Chicago Cub fan. Moving quickly to the White Sox, they lose four to nothing yesterday. To the Texas Rangers, had a pretty good road trip, Big Dog. They came back, won a couple series, six and three on the road. You return home to beautiful, if not sunny, uh, Comiskey Park. Actually, it was about 42 degrees last night. They lose four to nothing. Not a good performance. The bats again going silent. No, there's there's Colby Lewis of the Rangers, coach. Uh, you know, before I get into the White Sox, finish up on the last. I like the Casey Coleman. This, you know, he doesn't throw hard either. But last night, Colby Lewis against the White Sox. In, out, up, down, all on the corners. Next thing you know, the five hits later to shut out, and the White Sox are totally shut down. And now they, the White Sox have lost ten of their last eleven ball games at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? It, you know we keep on. You know it, it is. It's way too late now. Now they're in panic mode. And people. Now, I don't mean they should panic, but how are they going to catch the the Indians right now? The Indians are phenomenal. So the, the White Sox had better start playing some good baseball soon. 
and yeah. and I, I don't really understand what's going on now. Uh, yesterday, Kobe Lewis was just awesome. He really did pitch well, but you got to quit tipping your hat to the pitcher eventually, right? Is that Hawk Harrelson's uh, yeah. thing? Yeah, we, we've been doing a lot of tipping our hat to pitchers. Remember me and David Olson, we've come up with a motto for uh, this Chicago baseball season. It might carry all the way through the rest of the season, but our motto is it's only April. Don't don't panic early. Yeah, okay. Well, that that, that we can keep saying that, Coach. Yes. And, and you just sound even stupider and stupider. Thank you very much. But it may, but it does relieve the pain a little bit. It's only April. Don't worry about it. Okay. Nothing, nothing to worry about. Let's move on Rick, quickly to a baseball round em up, wrap em up. You mentioned the Cleveland Indians being hot. How about 19 to 1? Huh? 19 to 1 over Kansas City. 10 runs in the fourth inning. And you got to give it up to KC reliever Vince Mazzaro, I think his name is. They left him in. He was the uh, guinea pig because KC knew they had no chance to win. He gave up 14. Teen earned runs, big dog. Coach, you, you want to hear the most disturbing thing? No, this is this is some interesting talk radio here. I'm a big it's, fan of disturbing things. Vin Mazzaro was supposed to be starting for the Royals today against the Indians. Uh oh. They right in the middle of the game, they tell him warm up and go out there and pitch, and he gives up 14 runs, and they left him in to get pounded. I think that's one of the worst jobs of managing I've ever heard, Coach. This kid, is, this kid is one of their up-and-coming prospects coming up. And you're, he's expecting to pitch tomorrow. Next thing you know, he's getting loose, uh, getting warmed up, and they put him in the game and he gets hammered. And you keep him in for 14 runs? It's ridiculous. Oh, and by the way, uh, the, the Indians, how about them? So, uh, anybody out there uh, that's uh, playing any type of fantasy baseball, uh, get Michael Brantley. The kid is phenomenal. He's an outfielder for the Indians. He's the next superstar in the league coach. He was traded for C.C. Sabathia to the Brewers. The kid finally is, you know, he's supposed to be supreme talent. And, well, they traded him when he was like 22. He's like mm-hmm. 24, 25 now, and he's finally coming of age. That kid is flat-out awesome coach. The Indians have got some really good players. Uh, Dribbles Cabrera is a great defensive player. He can he can feel a little bit. Hafner is healthy. Now, Grady Sizemore hurt his other knee. It's only a bruise, just a contusion. So he should be okay. Indians mm-hmm. are for real. But what do you what do you think about what if you're the father of Vin Mazzaro, coach? Well, what are you thinking about the handling of the, what the manager yeah. did to your son? This is all breaking news to me because I was not aware he was scheduled to be the starter today. Uh, without knowing the details of it and everything that went behind it, I, w- I would be an upset that. Yeah, you, you would you would need an explanation, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I understand there are times when a pitcher has to be the sacrificial lamb. You realize the game is out of hand. You're going to lose that game. You don't want to burn out your bullpen. So I understand that concept. Well, well, Coach, if he gave up 14 runs, it couldn't have been worse than 5 nothing at the time, right? Because I don't know exactly when he came in the game. I think it was 5 nothing. What does it matter? So maybe they were. he was trying to – the manager was trying to win that game. You know what I mean? If you send the pitcher in at 5 nothing against a team you're a, a couple games behind in the standings, mm-hmm. you're not throwing the towel in, are you? Because you're you're automatically throwing the towel in for the next day because that's your next day's start. Well, that's 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 the part that doesn't make sense. If he's scheduled to start the next mm-hmm. day, first of all, the mental preparation. And again, I'm I'm basing it on what you're saying here. I don't know the insides of it. Maybe there's more to it. Ne- neither do I. All I know is watching MLB Network last night. They were they were they were livid about it. And I was I'm trying to be like you, being like, there's what is the story by the, behind the manager? What, mm-hmm. I mean, what really happened? So that's a little straight. Okay, we'll get that straight. Tampa Bay knocked off the Yankees 6-5. to Tampa Bay in first place. Sam Fold, our guy, the ex-Cub, two-run home run 
Uh, they got five runs in the sixth inning. Tampa Bay was trailing all game. Big dog. Big comeback in the, uh, the Rays. Given Boston, New York, and now you got to put Toronto in the team picture as well. A run for their money. That AL East kind of interesting. Uh, coach, honestly, and you know, people like, people live in the present. But one of the most surprising things I can recall in baseball is if you would have asked me 10 games into the season how good the Rays were going to be, I would have told you they're going to lose 100 games. Yep. And I would have said it convincingly. And 100 games means you're abysmal. You shouldn't lose 100 games in a season. The Cubs haven't done it, I don't, like in 50 years or 100 years. So it doesn't happen very often. The, the, the Rays are in first place in that division. It's, it's really amazing what Joe Madden's doing down there. He's got to be the best manager in the game of baseball. Mm-hmm. Right now, if they gave out the manager that you're voting, he would probably win. Yes. Toronto Blue Jays, by the way, they knocked off Detroit 4-2, to two, six in a row for Toronto. And uh, we haven't mentioned them for a while, but the Detroit Tigers, they had a nice little seven-game win streak going. So a couple of streaks, one continued, one ended yesterday with Toronto knocking off the Red Hot Tiger. And, and the Tigers' uh, Max Scherzer. Uh, basically, first time he wasn't dominant all season long, you know. So that's uh, uh, the Tigers have played some pretty good baseball lately. They can get back in it and start mm-hmm. giving the Tigers a little, a little bit of a head. Oh, the Indians a little bit of a headache. Mm-hmm. Boston knocked off Baltimore eight to seven. They were down six nothing. Big dog, big comeback. Kept rattling away at them. Got two runs in the ninth inning when they were down a run. Adrian Gonzalez with the big double. He's the pickup from San Diego. Great hitting first baseman. He's the guy we wanted here in Chicago with the Cubs. Yeah. Little bit of a slow start to the season, but right now Adrian Gonzalez is absolutely pounding the ball. That is exactly who I wanted in Chicago. Yep. Yeah, he started out slow, but. You know what? He was hitting the ball hard. He hit into a lot of bad luck. The, the Red Sox finally reached 500 two days ago. They went above 500 yesterday. They will not see 500 again this year. Mm-hmm. They are going to – the Rays and the Yankees, the Orioles, the Blue Jays, if you want to contend, you better uh, you better get busy right now because the Red Sox are going to get really hot, Coach. Mm-hmm. No question about it. We have uh, run out of time on the baseball roundup. Big dog in the future, I have to remind you, on the baseball roundup, our famous motto here is to be brief no matter how long it takes. I'm sorry, Coach. I'm kidding. Yes, David Olson. Uh, one quick note to add to I the baseball roundup, wrap them up. I, hate, I'm not, I don't want to hear this, but I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, uh, Harmon Killebrew uh, has passed away. Big dog, I will tell you. I, I knew he went into hospice a couple of days ago, so we knew yeah. it was coming. Yeah. When I was a kid, he absolutely – I was a Cubs and Sox fan, but outside of Cubs, is one of my favorite players to watch. And I love the name, of course, Harmon Killebrudet at the age of 74. Class act, too. And uh, he had uh, 573 home mm-hmm. runs back when uh, if you hit 40 home runs in a season, you were probably leading the league. Yep. It wasn't – you know, it was back in the day when pitchers actually reigned, so mm-hmm. – it's a class act, Coach. I, 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 nothing but great stories coming from the old killer. Killer, killer. You ever think of a better name for a for a power hitter? Well, Harmon Killer Killabrew. Killer, uh, uh, Hammer and Hank is pretty good. Yeah, the Killer's pretty good. Uh, big hurt by Frank Thomas. That's well, the, but the point with Killabrew with Killabrew is it's not his nickname; it's his actual name, Killabrew. Just something about a great player. The only bad thing was later in his life. Uh, Whatever he wore on his head looked a little bit like uh, Donald from the same hair maker that Donald Trump had. Oh uh, well, 
He should have done the big dog and just shaved it all off, but yeah. he didn't have enough sense. Yeah. You are looking good. Hey, hey, there was a rumor last week that you're going to come in studio. Any truth to that rumor that our female fans might be able to see you live sometime this week? Yes, I will be in Woo-hoo! studio. I'm not exactly sure when it's going to be, but eventually I will be in studio. Beautiful. Figure out how to get down there. This week? Hopefully. Okay. Well, whatever day it is, there's a chance that I won't be able to make it. <laughs> All right. Hey, Big Dog, great job. We'll talk to you tomorrow at uh, 10 o'clock, getting ready for a little Bulls-Miami Heat game, too, okay? Sounds good, fellas. Talk to you guys tomorrow. There it is. Big Dog, he's the best of the biz, folks. I'm just along here for the ride. David Olson, our producer, phenomenal job. We'll be back 10 tomorrow. Two guys at a mic, TalkZone.com, signing off. Have a great day, everybody.